Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I am Eki Tepsapornchai. Well, brother, it's good to have you back again this week. And uh, we've got really a, uh, a difficult topic today. Um, I, I think it'll be challenging for a lot of folks. It will uh, likely, you know, bring up some some memories and things like that for some folks. It's, but it's a topic that we need to be talking about. And it's the issue of suicide. Um, uh, again, it's a very difficult and a very dark topic. But um, I, I was thinking this week uh, when we were planning on doing this episode of how more, uh, how much more we're hearing from mainstream media issues of suicide, uh, particularly related to certain groups of people, but we're hearing of it more and more. And so it's a topic that would be incredibly helpful for Christians if we understood it and thought about it biblically. Yeah, this is um, this is a topic, obviously, that no one wants to find themselves in, and and also no one wants to. Um, everyone is afraid. Everyone that I know is afraid of being a person that has to deal with someone else who's going through that, um, because then what do you say? And and people are always worried about saying the wrong thing that may lead to uh, the the wrong result. Um, but the fact of the matter is, if we as Christians, if we trust in the full sovereignty of God and we trust in God's word. Um, we have to trust that if we're put into that position where we're called to talk to someone who is going through such desperate times um, that we we have everything we need to try to address and to help that person get through that difficult period. Yeah. And, you know, there are a couple of things that would be good to say uh, up front. And one of those is um, if you find yourself, you know, needing to speak to someone who is suicidal, has suicidal ideations, the the reality is very simple. Simply this: um, n no one has ever caused another person to take their own life. Um, th th that is not something anyone should ever take the blame for. Um, it, it just like I can't make someone um, walk across the street. I can't. I don't. We can't make someone sin, right? Um, we can certainly do things that um, we, we shouldn't. That you know, might tempt people into sin, uh, but ultimately that responsibility lies on the person. And, it, you know, this is a subject where I've known uh, several people personally um, that have attempted suicide. Of course, you know, I worked in, in um, a psychiatric facility, so I've had one-on-one -on -one conversations with dozens and dozens of people who were either um, talking about suicide and they were committed before they made any attempts um you know so they just had what we call suicidal ideation or um people who had actually attempted suicide uh, i've spoken to several of those people and it is very interesting because there is a common thread uh, which we'll get to uh, because ultimately um it these things come down to heart issues and issues of life that to be quite frank are yeah. not uncommon they're very common right right um and, and so it, it's it's a topic that we need to talk about. Uh, like I said, we hear it a lot more suicides on the rise. Um, we certainly saw uh, and heard that a lot in the last few years, especially with the COVID lockdowns. Um, yeah. And there's some things that we should have learned about human nature, um, right, that really is just uh, God's word. Um, tells us quite a lot about human nature. And then we saw uh, those things evidentially um, things like if you lock people up and separate them right from community, they get right. depressed and they get, well, that makes sense because God didn't create us to uh, live under a bridge by ourselves, so to speak. Um, but so we'll talk about suicide. Let, let me say this statement uh, when we're talking about it. I, I think we need to firstly understand that suicide is a sin. It's a sin. And we need to understand mm -hmm. it that way. Um, that doesn't mean that we are without compassion, doesn't mean that we're without feeling, but for a moment, uh, we need to approach the subject objectively and ask the question, what does the scripture have to say about 
suicide. Um, and the first thing that we discover is that it's a sin. Now, Eki, if someone came to you and said, you know, well, I heard suicide is a sin. Um, where does the Bible say that? How, how do we know it's a sin? Why do you think it's a sin? How would you answer well, that? Well, we question? trust in, yeah, and we're, we're, all of us are created in the image of God. And by taking your own life, you are making a decision that really belongs to God alone. Um, now, some have equated it to murder, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's they, they would equate it to taking someone else's life. I, I wouldn't put it on, it's, it's the same in the sense of you're ending the life of someone created in the image of God. It's different in the sense that you're, um, you're not exercising that kind of hatred towards another person. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, you if you trust in the sovereignty of God and you trust in, in his timing and purpose for everything, then really committing suicide is taking matters into your own hands and not trusting in his purpose for whatever trial he's bringing into your life. Yeah. And, it, you know, I would describe it as self murder, um, but because it is different than taking someone else's yeah. life. But one, right. one of the things that's a, a common thread in all of the folks that I've spoken to. Um, really either is a hatred of self, which does come out very often. Um, they mm -hmm. hate themselves yeah. for whatever various reasons. The reason really is irrelevant. Um, and so they want to end their life so that they don't have that internal turmoil to deal with. Um, the, the other common thread is that the life around them is uh, they deem to be so difficult that they want to remove themselves out of the situation. Um, so I, I would say it's self-murder. And it, in that in and of itself is a violation of one of the Ten Commandments, right? Um, mm -hmm. Exodus twenty thirteen: you should not murder. And that is what you're doing. You, you, you're taking a life that doesn't belong to you, um, right? Our lives are are not our own to take um you know and and then beyond that you know again we're marring the imago day the image of god and so mm -hmm. we're we're effectively um someone in that position is effectively assuming the role of god and right. and so it is truly a very heinous sin um now i i say that and i know folks will have some difficulties with that but again um, we've just got to come to terms with what it is. And it's especially important because what I think often happens, it'd be interesting to hear your perspective, Eki, is that um, we approach the subject as though the person is solely the victim, right? Um, and that we need to do everything to comfort them, uh, to assure them that, um, that there's nothing wrong in their life and that sort of thing. Um, as opposed to if you understand suicide to be sin, you may approach the problem more in terms of an unbeliever needing the gospel, right, who's not a victim but rather a sinner. It, it can make quite a very different uh, way of approaching things, and we see this in the way the world speaks about suicide, right? Yeah, and I guess that raises another question, too, because as you mentioned, um, the, the person in sin treating that person as an unbeliever who needs the gospel – um, does that mean that only an unbeliever could have suicidal thoughts, that only an unbeliever could could actually reach that point of considering taking his or her own life? Um, I, I actually don't take that position. I do think that it would be more rare to find someone who knows God, um, yeah. who, who's in that position. Um, but as an example, um, I, I know of, a, I know of, I don't know directly, but I know of an elderly man out on the East Coast who discovered that he was diagnosed with dementia. And uh, he, he had been a faithful servant in the church, someone who um, actively attended church, uh, a good and godly man from all reports around him. Uh, but, but he dis disappeared. After that diagnosis, he disappeared for a few days. People didn't know where he went. And as it turned out, he ended his own life. And he left a note saying that he ended his own life because he did not want to be a burden onto the rest of his family with that dementia, because he knows what, what happens when people go through dementia and the amount of um, care that that's required there. Now that's that's a case where um, I would wholeheartedly say that he made the wrong decision. Uh, I mean, no no doubt about that. Um, but at the same time, would I say that he wasn't a believer? I, I wouldn't say that. Um, yeah. I, I think that we as believers, we can have dark periods. We can have um, seasons where where we we just are not thinking clearly, and and we end up making that kind of decision. So I wouldn't say that 
suicide is proof that someone doesn't believe God. But I would agree that for the most part, mm. uh, when you're dealing with someone who is suicidal, there, there's a good chance that they don't know God. And, uh, and, and sometimes those opportunities, those times where you're talking to that person might be the best time to help them get to know Christ, um, because Christ is going to be the one who provides a, a hope that surpasses mm -hmm. anything that this, this world can provide. And you're right also, I, I agree that you know, people who are considering suicide, we often look at them as as a victim. And, and there may be, uh, you know, and this is why you want to talk to the person and get the person to open up and talk to the person about what's going on in his or her life. Um, but realize that if a person takes his or home li her own life, very rarely, if ever, is that the only person who's affected by it. Yeah. You know, they're going to have family, they're going to have loved ones. And especially if we're talking about someone who's like a father, you know, or a mother, or even if you're talking to a child, right? Um, that, that's going to affect the rest of the family. That's going to affect the, the the parents. Um, so yeah, you you want to you want to have the right kind of mindset. Um, when you're dealing with someone who is considering suicide and, and recognizing that something is something is off about um, their worldview, something is off about the way they're viewing their problems. And and especially, I think there's something off about um, there, there may be a sense of entitlement that that's there that they're not getting something that they expect mm -hmm. that's not happening. And so a lot of times it's this, um, why am I going through this, which usually ties back to an unbiblical view of God in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's incredibly selfish. OK. Um, and, yeah. and the victims are not the person, although they may have been a victim of something, the suicide in and of itself, the only victims are the ones left behind. Um, and, and, and we need to realize that family, friends, things like that. Um, now, I, I, I want to just touch on the point that you made. That's a very good point um, there. And the, the Catholic belief that if you commit suicide, you know, you spend eternity in hell. That's not biblical. Um, there's only one unpardonable sin and suicide is not it. And we do need to know that. Right. Right. Um, right. I, I mean, Romans 8, uh, 38, 39, Paul says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present. And he goes on and on basically to say that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. Um, and, and so in that sense, if the person who commits suicide is a believer, they will be with Christ. Um, now, I, I think there are grave concerns, right? And there are questions that need to be asked, and nor do I believe in giving people false hope um, mm -hmm. because it, it, if someone is at the stage where they are willing to take their life, um, then we need to be asking questions about, well, where where is the... The, the hope that the gospel has brought into their life, right? Fundamentally, the one contemplating suicide lacks the very heart of the gospel, um, of what the gospel produces in the believer, which is hope. Um, and, and so we would, we would want to ask that question, right? Um, which is why I said earlier to approach them um, much the same as we would an unbeliever with the gospel, because clearly, even if they are a believer, they still need to be reminded of the hope yeah. in which the gospel brings, right? Uh, but but it's not the unpardonable sin. Um, it, it's no different than objectively. Uh, it's no different than if you were, you know, let's say you were inappropriately angry with your brother, and you get in the car, and before you get a chance to amend, uh, make amends, you get in a car wreck and die. Well, do you go to hell because you didn't get to ask for forgiveness? No. Right. Um, you know, our sins, past, present and future are covered uh, by the blood of Christ as believers. Yeah. And, and so suicide is no different. So if you've been under the impression and I actually heard this recently, we had some folks in our home, lovely folks, uh, but they were under the impression that um, if you committed suicide, that you would instantly go to hell. Um, if you believe that then you can be set free from that because that's just not simple. It's just simply not biblical. You won't find right. that anywhere in the scripture. It was, uh, it was uh, propagated by the Catholic church. Um, I, I mean, it, I think it was uh, well-meaning in that just in the sense that uh, they were trying to, you know, keep people from sinning uh, in, in taking their own life. Um, but you can't say that uh, the instant result is eternal hell uh, because that would mean, by implication, that if you sinned at all, 
and you didn't get a chance to repent before you died, you would go to hell. Well, that is pretty consistent with the Catholic teaching, but it's not consistent with biblical teaching. Uh, and so you can be uh, free for that. So it's not the unpardonable sin. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting. Sometimes um, th there are a lot of different reasons, right, that people come to this suicidal ideation. Uh, I, if I if I can recall a couple instances when I was working in the hospital, I mean, this is years and years ago, um, but look, there was everything from from um, I'm just not getting what I want in life, and so I want to be done, um, to people don't like me, and so uh, why am I yeah. living here, um, to, you know, I'm just I'm just ready to be out of here. Um, it, it was interesting. Uh, there, there were there were also people with some infirmities, physical infirmities, that were um, basically saying this is making life either too challenging for themselves or for their family. They deemed, um, and so they had come to the conclusion that they should end their life. The common thread in all of that, in all of that, um, is a severe selfishness. In that none of them, I have never spoken to a single person in the dozens of people that we had that truly considered their family and friends. Yeah. Some of them would say that they did, but the reason I can say that that's not true is because what none of them thought is the pain and suffering it would cause their family and friends once they found out they had taken their own life, right? It, yeah. it, it was all about well, I don't want my family to have to take care of me, so therefore I'm going to end it. Well, most of them, their families were perfectly happy to take care of them, right? Mm -hmm. um, well, we had those few instances, and again, largely these were all unbelievers, right, in the facility. But we had a few instances where, you know, family would uh, just abandon them. And so, but generally speaking, the families were quite help happy to to help. Um, now, I maybe let's jump and talk about the increase of talk today because now we have canada offering assisted suicide right yeah, yeah. um euthanasia yeah so this <laughs> is going to be a topic that's going to come up more and more and let, let me just tell you no believer should ever participate in euthanasia um right. assisted suicide i mean there was uh, i think there's a, a finnish or a swedish scientist who's developing a suicide pod um i read an article in brief some time back um, and basically, you can buy this pod and you can, you know, commit suicide yourself. Um, and uh, once you get inside, if you change your mind at the last minute, you can hit a button and, um, it, you know, it'll stop the process or whatever. But uh, mm -hmm. that's why I think it's very important that we first understand that suicide is a grave sin against God, right? You're taking your life into your own hands, um, your your yeah, and because those things will matter when more of society starts encouraging people to do this, right? The American culture is sort of, I, I would say, they're they're kind of at odds because part of the culture wants to say, use it as a bludgeoning tool, right, in the LGBTQ community. And we've just heard this a lot, right? If you don't accept the LGBTQ community, then we're going to see an increase in suicide. But on the other hand, yeah. you have Western culture that's wanting to increase the use of euthanasia. Uh, well, those two yeah. things aren't compatible, right? Um, but but we need to deal with with both of those things. Yeah, and, and I'm sure, you know, they, they're going to try to rationalize it. Uh, euthanasia, they'll try to say, well, if you're facing a terminal illness or disease, um, you're you're getting towards the end of life, uh, then they would see that as a compassion, compassionate way of allowing someone to end their pain. Um, but you're right, there there is a double talk here, and there often is when you're talking about the world, and especially when we're talking about people who um, will freely uh, kill children in the womb of the mother uh, for no reason that, that anything that the the child has done that that baby has done inside the the womb, and then on the other hand, um, you know, blame us for um, pushing people to that point uh, in the case of things like the LGBTQ community for for not accepting them. In fact, we recently just had someone communicating with us, calling us homophobes and and uh, and and hateful people simply for just saying that homosexuality is a sin. But that's that's the way the world operates now. Um, the 
so we've got it clear that suicide is a sin we and and i think everyone who is approaching that situation needs to understand that and, and know that and i think the question now in terms of biblical counseling is how do you address that person how do you come to that person and i, and I would say that there's another um common thread that um that you're dealing with with anyone who is considering suicide is that they, they've lost hope Okay, I mean, there, there's a lot of sinful reasons why they may reach that situation. There may be a lot of uh, wrong views of, of viewing God and, and life because of that. But recognize also that that person ha has essentially lost hope. And, and there are a number of different triggers that, that can lead to that. You know, for instance, someone broke up with uh, their girlfriend or boyfriend or, or someone lost their spouse, right? Overwhelming circumstances at work. They're facing financial hardship. Um, they, they've had to declare bankruptcy, lose their house. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of different reasons. There could be alcoholism, drugs involved. Um, there can be any kind of rejection, um, just uh, not wanting to deal with the uh, with what comes with getting older, the, the increasing of age and the fact that they can't do what they once did. So th there's a lot of reasons that's that's leading them to feel like they, they've lost hope. And, and I'll, I'll say this also, and this is going to be, I think, a general a general thing for everyone to consider. Um, in my experience, the the folks that I have come across who have considered suicide, the ones I've come across or the ones I've heard about, you know, a lot of times there's a lack of community around that person. Um, you know, there's there's a lack of um, social kind of interaction. There, there's there's really a lack of a social life, and so a lot of times it's people who are um, who tend to be more alone. And and this just goes towards the importance of the church. And we talk about the church, and often people will point out that the church is um, not a building, but it's God's people. And yes, I agree, it is God's people. But more than that, it is God's people who are re regularly gathering together. And I'm not obviously that's church service on Sunday, but that's that's people. People who are just spending time together as a community, you know, knowing that uh, we have someone there to bear our burdens, people who love us. And, and also, it gives us purpose in terms of serving one another and helping to encourage one another to, to love and good works. And, and so, one of the one of the best ways to uh, to to minimize these kinds of situations coming up is just exercising being in a community. But once you've uh, come across someone who is at that point where they're really commit, uh, they're considering suicide, um, a couple of things. First of all, if they've let you know, um, then take greater hope in the fact that they're looking for hope, right? Anyone who's actually reached out to someone else to let them know mm -hmm. is looking for a reason not to do that. Um, second of all, there, there is great power in just being there, just being there, talking to the person, talking to the person, hearing what they're going through, having a compassionate mind and heart and, and waiting for the right time to, to help, um, to, to help them understand their situation and, and where they can find true hope. But I, I would say that even, even secular methods, I tell you what, uh, th this is where the secular world, just by being there, even if they're not bringing the right kind of counsel, and obviously I, I, I wouldn't want someone bringing the wrong kind of counsel, but even someone who's just willing to be there and and to listen provides great value um, to, to that person who's actually considering that because um, it, it, at least in that moment, reminds them that someone actually does care. Yeah, and so what what we've just done is there there are really two components, right? We think about counseling uh, suicide. Um, there is the, on the one hand, we just need to know objectively and understand suicide, um, the fact that it is a sin against God, the fact that it's incredibly selfish, um, the the fact that it's yeah, it's rooted in an unbiblical worldview. That we need to know those things first. And objectively, without entering all the without all the emotions, and then the second right component is now how do I how do I approach a person who's struggling with this in compassion with the knowledge that I have, right? And so you right. you you know you it, just like everything else, you don't use it as a bludgeoning weapon. Like, you know, uh, consider the unbeliever, um, w which I will say I think uh, w I, again I I think we should always approach uh, people with suicidal ideation as though they were unbelievers um don't mess with or take for granted um the the position of their souls right I, I, if they are a believer then the gospel is the hope they have um the only hope they have if they're an unbeliever the gospel is the only hope they have right and so right, right. it's Either the way. same it, it's the same the, the same thing um and, and so you've just brought in the the kind of now you 
you understand suicide. How do you address people? And this is very true. Listen, in uh, one of the things that there are two things that facilities, uh, you know, provide for people with suicide ideation. And I am 110% against uh, putting people in facilities for just right. about anything the world calls mental illness. Um, they're just not good places. However, uh, to your point, Eki, for people who um, are dealing with suicide, what they provide is one, um, the lack of opportunity, right? The oppor- they, they remove the yeah. opportunity. And then second is you're in the facility with other people. Um, right. So at least in the facility I worked with, they had their own room. And then we had kind of a group talk uh, therapy session, um, which was open for everyone. And then, of course, they would eat meals together and then, you know, they could walk the halls and communicate. And so instantly they're brought into a, you know, for lack of better words, a community of sorts. Um, and so sometimes that was helpful. Generally and interestingly enough, um, the n- normally in in you you'll hear this in the medical field um the the people who are truly contemplating suicide were never the ones coming in who talked about it a lot right yeah. um and, and and so i i i try to tell people not to be overly um distraught right if, if someone's starting to talk about it that's giving you opportunities Right. Uh, to talk about the worldview, to talk about the problems. I mean, you just need to do fact finding. Right. Um, find out why they're feeling the way they are, what they're thinking, why right. they're thinking the way they are. Right. And then you want to bring that back to scripture. Um, ultimately, the issue, humanly speaking, is that they lost hope. Right. They, they've lost hope um, for whatever reason. For Christians, you know, and I think this is why it's so important that the church prepare people for persecution and to live in a world that hates christ um because we're gonna see more of this um to live in a society where you're hated is challenging right um now thank god we don't live in paul's day where nero was burning christians alive um but it, it's hard to be ostracized today, and I think especially for you know young people and and the elderly, right? When they're isolated. Um, but so, so we need both of those components, right? We we need to understand what it is. We need to understand how to bring scripture to bear on on someone um, when when they're when they're facing those challenges. I, I think a couple of verses, uh, and we can kind of talk about this, right? Um, is or you mentioned worldview and this is ultimately all sin is born out of a poor worldview um you know this idea that uh and and suicide is probably the apex of this um the, the idea that there are things that i deserve in this world that i should get and if i don't get them then something's wrong um Right. And and so effectively, that mentality makes you the center of the universe. Um, right. It, it makes it makes you deserving of of all things good. Um, and then, of course, we live in a fallen world. And so we don't get those things. Right. And in reality, what we do deserve is eternal punishment. We're born yeah. into sin and we sin not because we're born into sin. We sin because we love our sin. Right. Uh, we that that's why we sin. We want to sin, um, and that sin deserves a penalty. And and so, if we got what we deserved, we wouldn't have the gospel, right? The gospel is is exactly the opposite of that. It's God's grace in that we don't get what we deserve. For the believer that's struggling with these kinds of things, I mean, you just there's all kinds of verses, right? You go to Acts twenty four talks about having hope in God. Uh, Romans is filled. With hope, Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians one ten, who talks about it, it says, "Who delivered us from so great a peril of death, and will deliver us? He on whom we have set our hope." Right, and so right. there's incredible hope in the midst of suffering, and so th- I think this yeah. is one of those places um, that worldview is incredibly important. Uh, talk to that, Eki. Yeah, even even um, I'm thinking of First Peter one talking about how Nero was um, burning Christians. 
that was what, what was the context of first peter as he's writing to his audience and right there in chapter one verse 13 um he, he tells people to fix their hope completely um upon the revelation to be brought to you at the uh, at the, the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of christ and talking about uh what it is that we deserved i just the last two weeks i preached out of uh john 15 18 to the end of the chapter and and verse 18 is where jesus says if they hated you know that they hated me first and one of my points that i made to everyone is that first of all if you're going to witness christ if you're going to be um, a representative of christ and walk in the shoes of or at least uh, in the way that christ walked um, know that the world is going to respond in a very hostile way. Now, what what has happened in this world is that, um, and especially um, this is becoming increasingly uh, a problem with the, the younger generations, it's this heightened sense of entitlement. And uh, there, there's all kinds of ways around us uh, that we look around society that there are influences that that kind of increase that sense of entitlement. You know, it may be all the TV, the commercials that we see. Um, I've heard uh, many people point out the fact, though, that social media kind of creates this false a false view of the ideal life that everyone has that you don't have you know so i mean if you're on TikTok, if you're on facebook or you're on instagram or something like that you tend to see the the best side of everyone you, you tend to to see and hear about all the good things that people are going through and they tend not to share the struggles that they're going through and so that ends up heightening people's um, self-entitlement when they think that everyone else has a much better life than they then they start to think that they should have a better better life but then what are you measuring a better life by right i mean we look at uh, you mentioned the apostle paul the apostle paul in philippians chapter 3 talked about the fellowship of suffering right mm. to, to know the suffering yeah. of christ um we remember that when jesus christ called paul jesus uh, told ananias that um that he's going to suffer for my name's sake and i'm going to show him that and the thorn in the flesh that uh, that paul um, experienced he talks about that in second corinthians chapter i think chapter 11 where he he talks about this thorn in the flesh and uh, and then three times he implored the lord to to remove it and the lord's response was no my grace is sufficient for you and, and so when we come to someone who is considering suicide you're, you're absolutely right the gospel is always relevant whether it's a believer or unbeliever i think the difference is that if you're dealing with someone who claims to be a believer you, you can take them to several instances all throughout scripture of um, of how the saints of god suffered for for the sake of christ um <clears throat> the, the bible is not silent that <clears throat> is not silent on that at all think about the the story of job right i mean you know i know how much you you love that book job and, and yeah. Job went through i mean he lost just about everything right and uh and, and and yet at the very end he ended up repenting in ashes and dust so i think for someone who is a believer or at least says that they're a believer you, you can hold them accountable to to what scripture says you can show them the numerous examples uh, of what scripture says that we as believers are to expect you can point out um the, the need to share christ um, to help people to know christ um, rather than just think about their own circumstances and situations which by the way people who have reached that state um, they really are just thinking about themselves they're just thinking about their own circumstances they're not thinking about other people and so you can appeal to to that for for an unbeliever um for an unbeliever you you want to get them into a counseling context where you can share more of the gospel and help them to know more about christ definitely share the gospel as you have an opportunity there uh, but for an unbeliever it's going to be more directed at let me put the gospel in front of you and, and help you to know where hope where true hope can be found um and uh, and also realize this that you know if someone is considering that position of sin uh, or that i'm sorry that uh considering suicide um you know and you hear out their situation and, and obviously they're in sin for considering that but that they they also may be responding to the sin of the world sin from other people the ways they've been sinned against um that that may be an opportunity also to show that you know what we, we live in a sinful world um and this is part of the curse that 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 is on this earth you know on the other hand if if there's just a heightened sense of entitlement about everything you know one thing that i may do is help to show that this world has a lot of suffering and you may not see that in other people because they hide that but there is a lot of suffering um in this world and uh, and then i would use that to to uh to draw a bridge towards our need for jesus christ and and well the reason for suffering is sin and and we're we're all guilty of it we're all born born sin 
sinners. We all need forgiveness of sins, and obviously that that builds that bridge uh, to sharing Christ and why He came to die for us. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. You know, if you look at the Apostle Paul, and I, I'm just I want to read this passage. You go to Second Corinthians eleven. Um, this is where Paul's recounting all of the suffering he's been through. And, and, and this is interesting because if anyone, humanly speaking, could have gotten to the point in his life where he was like, you know what, I'm just going to take my own life. It's too hard. It, it could have been the Apostle Paul, right? Um, it, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 23, uh, so he's saying, are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so far more labors and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I've received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers Mm. from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food in cold and exposure. Apart from such eternal things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I will boast on what pertains to my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. And he he goes on now. I bring that up because this is the same man then who says he's learned to be content in all things. Content. Right. How do you become content in getting beatings? How do you become content, you know, laboring the, the, the very people who Christ has sent you to to present the gospel trying to kill you? How, how are you content with that type of life? How is Paul content when he's sitting in the Mamertine prison writing Second Timothy, I think it is, right, just before he's executed? How, how is he content in that? Well, he's content because he understands that his life is not just about the physical life here and now that there's an eternal hope that he has. And, and these things are, they're not irrelevant, um, but they're not what defines him. Um, they don't take away his joy or his hope because all of that is met in Christ. And that's the worldview that Christians ought to have, right? As as we suffer, I mean, you have Jesus saying things like, blessed are you who are persecuted when they speak all sorts of vile things against you. Wait, Jesus, you're saying we're blessed when that happens? I mean, that's a a different worldview. It's a different understanding of the world around us. And people who are struggling with suicidal ideation, um, their worldview is not not biblical, right? You can't get to that point. Now, we've talked about all kinds of you know, different possibilities that would lead someone there. And, and, and again, we, we want to be careful that we're not dispassionate um, or com- that, we're, that we're not without compassion, rather. Um, but at the same time, we never want to approach it as though the, the, perf- the, the person has no sin to deal with, right? And, and, right. And, and I say that because that is the natural tendency. The tendency is to view this person as though they've done nothing wrong, the whole world's against them, and I need to feel sorry for them. Well, what that typically produces is no. an attitude that doesn't get them the exposure to hope in Christ. Because ultimately, we have to be confronted with the reality of the sin. And that that might sound hard for some people, but the reason is exposing the sin is what's necessary to bring the solution to sin. I, I mean, this is yeah. just no different than sharing the gospel with mm-hmm. someone who's lost, right? And they may indeed be lost. We often share the quote-unquote bad news, right, first, because people need to recognize that they're in sin and that they're sinning against God and that they're sinning against others. Um, and then you can bring the reality of the good news of Christ, um, right, covering our sins 
and uh, paying the penalty for our sins. And so we we can't forget that, I think, especially in 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 this issue. That was one of the things in the hospital. They were never, ever wrong, right? They, they were never in the wrong, yeah. Yeah. right, according right. to the medical field. But what that means is that there was never a solution presented to deal with right. and cover their sin. Um, and, and so the, I, I think the worst thing that could ever happen, right? And, and this may be true for some people. Um, the worst thing that could ever happen is you have an opportunity to share the gospel with someone who may take their life and you don't. And then they take their life. Um, now, I, 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 what I'm not saying is that you would be the cause of them spending eternity in hell, right? That's not what I'm saying. Um, but I am saying that you would have missed an opportunity, right, to share the gospel and, and to possibly see Christ save someone. Um, and, and so we don't want to miss those opportunities. And what we don't want to do is ever feel like the gospel is too offensive, Right. Um, what if that? What if? What if it pushes the? If I share the gospel, the depressed person may become more depressed. Or if I share the gospel, the bipolar person may become more manic. Or if I share the gospel, the suicidal person, it may just push them over the edge and take their life. We, we should never feel that way, because the gospel is throwing the rope, right, out to someone who's drowning. That that's what it is. And if they if they don't take it, that's not on you. Um, right, but but we don't want to be the ones who don't throw the life raft. Right, we we don't throw the 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 rope out. Yeah, it's it's um, having the biblical worldview and recognizing that the greatest problem that each and every one of us had, um, those of us who are in Christ, the greatest problem we we had was that we did not know God, we did not know Christ, we did not have forgiveness of sins, and second place is not even close. Um, our eternal our eternal souls. Um, come down to uh, whether we are in Christ or not, right? So eternal life can only be found in Christ. So that is the greatest problem, and Christ is the greatest solution. And it is the solution that provides solutions to all else. You, you mentioned Second Corinthians 11, and it's right in the next chapter that Paul then talks about the thorn in the flesh. I'd said 11, it's actually 12. And, and you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. Paul found you know, in the thorn in the flesh, it's it's where he implores the Lord three times, verse eight, uh, three times that it might leave me. And then verse nine, the Lord says something stunning to him. I mean, you would think the Apostle Paul deserves to have his prayers answered. And Jesus told him, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Jesus essentially told Paul, I am not removing that thorn because everything I've already given to you is enough. And what is it that Paul has received? Well, Paul has received salvation. Paul has been given a ministry. You know, he, he's been made into an apostle to the Gentiles. And all the punishment and difficulties that he faced in chapter 11, he's willing to do that um, because now he has contentment in Christ. And then that goes back to Philippians 4 when he talks about, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The context to that is the secret of finding contentment no matter what his circumstances are. And in just preaching through John chapter 15, Jesus talked about how he's going to provide joy that the world does not provide. It is a different kind of joy. It's a different kind of peace. And this is the joy and the peace that surpasses all circumstances. So why am I pointing all this out? Because when we are in Christ and we have matured to that point, point where we have that peace and joy it surpasses anything that goes on around us and and that's what's happening that's what's missing from from the person who's uh, seriously considering taking their own lives is that they don't have that joy in christ and the only way they can start to have that joy in christ is first to know christ right and if they already know christ then what they need to do is to be reminded of these powerful biblical truths Mm -hmm. you know and this is where especially uh, especially if someone claims to know christ Bring them these examples, um, because for the child of God, there is no voice that is more powerful than God's voice. And and even for the unbeliever, you can use that same rationale for sharing the gospel, um, because ultimately, when you share the gospel, the conviction that comes upon the hearts of those who give their lives to Christ comes from the Holy Spirit. That means that's a supernatural power that that is uh, behind that gospel message. Now, that being said, for uh, for an unbeliever. Um, depending upon where they're at, maybe um, they didn't reach out to you. Maybe you just happen to be there, just as as they're, you know, um, they're going to jump off the building or or, or 
pull the trigger on a gun. You know, in that moment in time, you know, you want to get them to a point where they're not, you know, where you've taken that danger away. You want to let them know, hey, there are people who care for care about you. I'm here to listen. I'm here to to minister to you. And you want to get them into a position where you can safely share the gospel to them. So I understand that, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have to evaluate the situation. And this is part of the complication um, when it comes to these kinds of situations, because no situation is exactly alike. And yet what you can draw from it is that they all share the things in common that we've mentioned. Um, they're considering something that is a sin. They, they've lost hope in the world. Um, their their view of God, their their view of their life has, has gone away from scripture if they're a Christian and if they're not a Christian, then they need to. Um, they they need they need Christ in their life. Those things we all know are there, um, but you're going to have to exercise some discernment in terms of exactly when and where and how you're going to share all those things. But you're absolutely right. It would be absolutely tragic for someone to end their life and not at least having heard um, that the message that they needed to hear above all else. Yeah, and you make a good point. Look, if uh, if you're in a situation where you know there's an immediate uh, danger of someone taking their life, then you need to call the authorities, right? Do, do whatever you can do to remove that threat appropriately. Um, and, and then you can, you know, this should go without saying, but, and then, and then you can, you can talk to them afterward after that. Um, yeah, I, I want to end this podcast because again, it, you know, as our culture is, you know, changing drastically and we're hearing more and more about suicide in our own media and and often it's to often it's to bludgeon Christians, right? Um, so I just want to talk about the LGBTQ community and the increase of suicide in that community, and and why that is, and the reality behind that, and what we can do about it, and we'll kind of end on that because I think this is going to become more and more of an issue. The, look, the LGBTQ uh, movement is not going away, right? That is uh, fundamentally the thing that is being used to drive policies and laws and legislation um i i think we'll also the reality is we go to romans and we see that's a sign of god having turned a people over to their depravity um and and so it's not going away but let so eki as we hear the media talk about um and say things such as well, if uh, they, they, there's an increase in L- suicides among LGBTQ people, and so if you don't accept them, uh, then you're going to be the cause of that. Um, if you don't confirm their identity no. as homosexuals or whatever letter they fit into on that spectrum, um, th- th- then they may end up killing themselves. Um, how do you address that? How should we be viewing that Firstly, just from the kind of the accusation point of view. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about the fact that uh, people who are uh, identifying this way are not living according to reality, right? And we know that saying that a person needs a reality check, and we often say that because it's going to be the healthiest thing for that person. I mean, think about someone who is, for instance, a drug addict, right, and, and continually shooting themselves up with uh, with meth or or fentanyl or whatever it may be um that the drug of the day you know your your goal is not going to be to try to affirm them in their sin or to try to make them feel better about what they're doing you want them to bring them you want to bring them back to reality look what you're doing is unhealthy you are not you are not living according to to the reality of the world around us and, and so that that kind of accusation is just a way in my mind of just justifying the um the, the behavior of trying to further justify what they're doing i just saw a video a couple of days ago from a church um it was well church quote unquote church it was a self-proclaimed queer church out of florida where um there were a number of dancers up on stage they look like chippendales dancers they're they're dancing in ways that are just you know it's very fleshly and and the song was about santa claus and i was thinking to myself you know this is a queer church oh, so th- this that. is a self-proclaimed mm-hmm. queer church um with fleshly entertainment that that you know normally you wouldn't even allow your kids to go see and and they're singing about santa claus i mean just th- think about all that's happening mm-hmm. there and and recognize that that when you try to affirm God, but you affirm God in your own way, you end up pushing him out completely because there was nothing in that scene that 
that there was nothing in there about God or Jesus Christ or anything that you could tie back to uh, walking in a manner worthy that's you know walking in a manner that's worthy of the calling by which you've been called you know and then even if you look at the statistics you know where they say well you know they commit suicide because they're not accepted well the, the statistics have not changed uh, for those who um, ha have acceptance because right now we're living the most accepting society um, we've ever had in our history towards the LGBTQ community movement and uh, and even when um, you've talked to police officers uh, talked to investigators who have had to deal with some of the uh, most hateful um, crime scenes, uh, talking about murder. It, you know, oftentimes it comes from the LGBTQ one towards another. So when you're living in a delusional state, um, it's never good for you. And and this is part of the reason why we make a big deal about not affirming people's pronouns, because you're affirming the delusion, you know, and, and you don't live in a delusional state. And so for the LGBTQ community, you know, they can say that we're hateful and, and this and that. But look, we know what is the reality that is provided to us by God. We know what God's design is. And, and we know what's going to be most healthy for a person, and that's to help them to come to know Christ, to help them to come to know the Word of God. And the only way to start is, is with the gospel. They they need to know the gospel. They need to know that they're in sin. And if the world's going to accuse us of being hateful or homophobic, recognize the truth of John 15, 18. If the world hated you, they hated me first. Of course, they're going to respond that way. That That's the schemes of the devil, um, trying to get you to back off that sin. And eventually, um, as you get more more churches to be more accepting of it then you get you know what what you get when you see a queer church now having chippendales dancers up there and uh, singing about santa claus i mean it's just it does not lead anywhere good so stand upon the truth no matter what the situation is stand upon the truth no matter how the world sees it stand upon the truth because that is exactly what it means to be a child of light to be an ambassador for our lord jesus christ yeah and i think we need to understand the the spiritual reality behind this movement just plainly and simply if you want to know why uh there may be an increase um of suicidal ideation and suicide in the lgbtq community it's because there is no way you can live a false life that is in direct opposition to the very way god created men and women and expect not to have consequences um, the, the, it, it yeah. you know, it's no different than, you know, um, venereal diseases and things the, those are consequences of sin. You're not the victim of those things. Um, those are the consequences of sin. And so the more delusional people become, I think we're going to see far more of this. And the question is not, um, oh, what, what can we, well, I guess the question is, what can we do? Um, to help people, it's just that our answer is rooted in truth and reality, and the world's answer is what can we do to cover it up? So, you know, um, in, instead of addressing the fact that homosexuality is sinful before God, and if you engage in that, you may experience the penalties in your own bodies, as we're told in Scripture, the world says, okay, well, um, let, let's find a medication to just deal with that. And this is no different right. uh, with suicide, right? The reality is the only way to prevent that is to bring the truth of the gospel in such a way that they walk away from that lifestyle. As long as they're in that lifestyle, they're going to have consequences, right? Spiritual realities yeah. uh, that are consequences mm -hmm. of their sin. Mm -hmm. And this is true for all sin, right? Well, I hope that yeah. this has been helpful for you guys. Uh, the next few episodes we do are going to be on various counseling topics. And so um, if you want to send us an email with some suggestions, you can do that. Our email will be down in the show notes. Any last thoughts from you, Epi, uh, Eki, as we close? Sorry, it's early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think um, it, this is a, it's a tough topic. Um, I, I think pull from it um, the fact that God is sovereign, God is good, the gospel is what people absolutely need, and it provides hope no matter what situation people are in. All right. Well, until next time, thanks, guys, and let the truth be known. 
The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.